The ogres and orphans of Kelly Barnhill's newest novel are a great start for a summer of adventurous exploration for young readers, but that's only the beginning. We've asked Kitty Feldy to sit in for a bit with some tips and recommendations to keep your young reader going all summer long. Kitty is the host and executive producer of Book Club for Kids, a podcast where kids talk about books. She's a children's book author, and if her name sounds familiar, yes, she was a longtime correspondent for NPR. Kitty, welcome. It's good to have you on the show. Oh, Carrie, thanks so much for having me. One of the great things you do with the podcast is to get kids talking about how a book makes them feel. I'm sure there's parents listening. How do I do that? What, uh, you know, what kinds of questions? <laughs> what's, uh, what's the secret to getting kids to talk beyond, I liked it, I didn't like it? Well, you know, you always have to start with a book because it's very safe. You know, it's just like, um, I always like to describe the show is just like your grown-up book club, but without the alcohol. In that you always start with the book, but you always end up talking about what's going on in your own life. And that book sort of becomes that bridge or that transition. So my suggestion is that both of you read a book together. I don't mean sit down and read it together, although you could do that. And you could also read to a child who is even reluctant to do it on their own. But once the two of you have that book in common, that's the place to start. And rather than talking about did you like it? It's more like what went on in the book or I didn't understand what happened here or don't you think the character of Justin was a real jerk? You know, there's a place to start in the book where you have a strong emotional reaction and then what you want to do is to encourage and listen to what the child has to say. And what I've found with Book Club, Carrie, is it's really funny that about halfway through the discussion of the book, the conversation takes this weird left turn. So you might be talking about Oh, for example, we were talking about uh, 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 a tree grows in Brooklyn. And there's mm-hmm. one tiny scene in there where our protagonist is, uh, I think she's flashed in the hallway. It's a very small scene. But suddenly the girls wanted to talk about Me Too. And we mm-hmm. spent the rest of the conversation talking about that. It's not what I prepared for. It's not what I thought we were going to talk about. But if you listen for those left turns, the conversation gets very rich and kids get less self-conscious. And they're really, um, once they know they can trust you, that you're not going to A, talk down to them or or make fun of them, or use information they're sharing with you, you know, in an evil way, they will open up to you and tell you amazing stories that you'll never get out of them otherwise. Okay, so give me another example of you listening in and maybe doing a little guiding of a conversation among young readers where you were just wowed by the observations they came up with. All right, I'll tell you my favorite story. I went into a school library in Washington, D.C., and there were five fifth-grade boys, and they were, and I mean literally, climbing the walls of the library. (laughs) And the librarian had to go in and grab them and make them sit down on the beanbag chairs, and I thought, oh, this is not going to be good. This is going to be just terrible. And the book is Kwame Alexander's The Crossover, which is a great book if you hate reading and you love poetry, or if you love basketball and you hate reading, this is the book for you. And the book is about um, brothers and basketball and relationships and parents and your relationship in the family. And, you know, so we started off talking about the book and basketball. And when we started talking about the relationship of the two brothers in the book, 
all the boys started adding stories about their own relationships with, with people in their own family. Like one boy said, you know, I hate my older sister. I was so happy when she was going to go. I could hardly <laughs> wait until she got on the bus and went to college. And then I, I started to feel bad and I missed her. And then that opened the flood doors. Everybody started talking about, yeah, you know, my dad works at Amtrak and he has to go up on ladders and change the lights. And I'm always afraid he's going to fall down and hurt himself. And this went on and on. And the boys broke into tears. These squirrely little fifth wow. graders were crying about books. Wow. And then, Carrie, they broke into an acapella song. They were inspired <laughs> by making the books this of up, Kitty. Come on. Not, you can hear it. It's episode two, the crossover. It, it was the most amazing piece of anything I've ever been part of. And I just sat there and listened to them all. It was magic, oh, true magic. Oh, I can see why that's a favorite story. So sometimes I hear from parents, I'm sure you do too, who have a reluctant reader in the house. Yeah. And they know that this is a delicate thing, you know, wanting kids to read more, but knowing that kids might resist being assigned summer reading. How oh, do yes. you do this? Right. How do you encourage? This is a question off Twitter. How do you encourage, let's say, a fifth grade boy mm-hmm. who is, you know, loving his screens and wants to be outside and playing sports or whatever to get into the habit of, of reading? Well, it is a habit, and there are lots of ways to do that. You can have a 20-minute quiet time where everybody in the house reads. There are classrooms, there are schools that do that, which I think is a brilliant idea. Mm -hmm. Summer is a great opportunity, um, and it's something to get involved with your kid. Libraries, of course, offer all kinds of bribes to get you to join the summer reading club, you know, a chance for tickets to the ball game or pizza or something else. But I like to, you know... I would take a child to the library. I would take a child to the bookstore and I would bribe them, quite frankly, at the bookstore. I would say, you know, you have $20 to spend on a book, find it. And don't censor them. They're going to go and buy the dumbest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. (laughs) But I don't care. There's words in there and you're reading words and that's what you want them to do. If they love video games, you know, there are Minecraft books. There are thousands of Minecraft books. Um, And a lot of people have a lot of prejudices about graphic novels. And quite frankly, there's some of the most wonderful literature around. Jerry Craft's New Kid is just so special and wonderful that I think the adults will enjoy it even more than the kids do. Um, reading aloud is one tactic where you literally, I mean, no, we all love to be read aloud too. I mean, that's why we get audiobooks. That's mm-hmm. why I walk around where I live listening to audiobooks because I love it Same when someone's here. reading to me. There you go. Mm-hmm. And you know who told me that he used to do this was, um, uh, there's a congressman from California named Mark Takano, and he used to be an English teacher. And I asked him for his reading tip and he said he used to teach high school English and he would read aloud Pride and Prejudice to these really? high school freshmen and soft, and they loved every minute of it. They were not too cool for school. <laughs> you mentioned graphic novels. Uh, I, I heard from parents who are happy that their kids are reading graphic novels, but feel like the kids need to graduate beyond graphic novels. I think you're alluding to they're not lesser reading experiences. What else can you say about that? Well, and if you are of the school that you think that graphic novels are not 
true literature. I would say, A, read them yourself. But, you know, um, publishers have gotten smart about this, and they're putting out graphic novel versions of some of their most popular series. For example, Rick Reardon writes about uh, his own modern take on Greek myths, and the books are extremely popular. And there are now graphic novel versions of those. And the same thing with the Babysitter's Club. Believe it or not, you know, for millennials, it's making a comeback, guys. Um, The Babysitter's uh, Club novels that you remember when you were little, now they're coming out with graphic novels to, you know, suck the kids in a little bit earlier. And that's often what happens, librarians have been telling me, is that if you got a kid and the only thing they're reading is Captain Underpants and their graphic novels, what happens is if they get into a series, they want more. And once they've Mm -hmm. run out of that novel, that's the hunger is I want more story. And kids really do gravitate to series. Um, They just like to be able to spend more time with the characters that they've invested so much emotional energy into. So series are always a good place to start as well. I heard from the people at Honest Dog Books in Bayfield, Wisconsin, and they said, the biggest thing we hear from parents and grandparents is about what happens once kids get phones. They lose interest in reading. You've probably seen that. Yeah. And quite frankly, that's one of the reasons I started Book Club for Kids, because devices are part of a kid's life. They just are. So is there a way you can use that device to try to um, tempt them to just not, or I shall, should I put it this way, to They'll be playing games, but perhaps we can get them to do it not 24-7 by using that device in an evil way, by getting them to start enjoying books. And I mentioned audiobooks, but quite frankly, I'll, I'll I'll plug uh, Book Club for Kids. We've done 130-something episodes, and what kids will hear is 20 minutes of other kids talking Mm -hmm. about books, which makes it peer-approved. They may get interested in that book. They may not. As I say, you can keep trying them until something else clicks. But that's a way to use a device for good, is the way I like to put it. Kitty Feldy is with us, and... We've asked her for her recommendations for good books for summer reading for young readers. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But I'm also kind of uh, tapping her wisdom uh, and being (laughs) guided by some of the questions that you asked on Twitter about how to get kids, you know, out of school for the summer to keep them in the habit or to lure them into reading through the summer. And Kitty's giving us some recommendations. She is executive producer and host of Book Club for Kids. It's a podcast where kids talk about books. Um, I guess some of the challenge here, especially now that we're talking a bit about screens, is to connect kids to reading the way they connect to social media. You know, to to help them see Mm -hmm. that books can be really personal. Books can be on your side. Books can make you feel less lonely or take you somewhere you've never been. And that social media experience is so intensely personal that I think kids seem to think that books are right the the second generation away from that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's what that means is that that child has not found the book that is connected with them. Yeah, that's right. And this is why librarians are like gold or the person who works in the children's department at your favorite indie bookstore. Those people, and they, and you know, I, you've, I've watched them work and they will interview a kid. They will say, well, what do you like? I hate books. Okay, that's fine. But what do you like? You know, Uh I like fishing. You know, I, okay. 
let's go look to the fishing section, you know, or I only like video games. Great. Let me show you this fabulous, you know, uh, you know, book Minecraft series. So it's, you know, the, the, you just need to kind of sneak the way in. Um, a lot of parents have started their own book clubs for kids, especially in the summertime. There's a really successful one in Baltimore, um, Girlfriend's Book Club up there. They've been meeting since the girls were in fourth grade. Now they're all in college practically. Mm, so wow. they've been, it creates friendships. You know, again, it's mm -hmm. using a book as a social tool. So if you, if a kid won't read by themselves, get a few of their friends over, you know, get them in, get them cookies, whatever you wanted, you know. So you set it up just like a grown up book club, again, without the alcohol, but you have you start with a book and just let the conversation go um the other thing is just try to not be judgmental about what they choose to read i have a hard time with this because there's always the same group i always on the show we always ask one question of everybody and it's always the hardest question which is what is your favorite book and why do you love it and I keep a log of all of those books that people have suggested over the years on the website under books we love. So if you're looking for suggestions, those are coming straight from the kids, not from the librarians, parents, teachers, et cetera. Those are kid recommended books. And those are a good place to start, too. So, but do you find that kids will say the same books over and over again? Or? <laughs> all right. Well, let me give you my list of the ones that come up all the time. Of course. <laughs> okay. Of course, Harry Potter. Of course, Rick Riordan series of all the Greek myths. Um, Minecraft is a big favorite currently. Uh, Dogman is one that comes up. Dap mm, Pilkey is a yeah, wonderfully love funny, it. funny. Dogman Kids love so humor. <laughs> funny books. Great funny books. Those are the ones that um, come up constantly. But, you know, and that's so funny, Carrie, because when I go into schools to do, to tape a podcast or a library or a community event, um, you can always tell when the book was chosen by the kids versus mm. the one that was chosen by the adult. So, for example, <laughs> a lot of middle-grade girls really want to read dystopian novels. And mm -hmm. I asked them why. They're so darn depressing. And they said, oh, no, they've got a girl who's the hero, and all the boys treat her with respect. And I'm thinking, like, okay, that explains uh, a lot. Yeah. Here's Abigail. She has a fourth grader who's reading at a 10th grade level. <laughs> So she says, how does she find age-appropriate books that will interest her daughter, who is an advanced reader? Well, it depends on what she's interested in, again. Um, it's, there's two kinds of people in the world, fiction readers and nonfiction readers. If she's at that level and she's interested in nonfiction, you move her right to the adult section, you know, the Dewey Decimal side of the library. If, if she's interested in fiction, again, what is she interested in? And then you quite frankly, go back to my old standby, you ask the librarian, you ask the bookstore owner. They're the ones that are going to know the books that are specifically appropriate for that reader. And also ones that she'll be interested in, in reading from beginning to end and not just get depressed about it. Christy suggests letting kids see adults read for pleasure is a really powerful, is powerful role modeling. I mean, this is how I became a voracious Reader, I'm sure somebody in your household read. What do you what do you find if if do you find that parents are doing enough of this if they want their kids to be big readers? It's the secret sauce. It really is um, because kids, whether they admit it or not, they do emulate you. They do want your respect. They want to grow up and be the good side of you. And if the good side of you is reading, then it makes it less onerous. It makes it less of a chore. And you know, that's the other thing. 
there's so much common core stuff that the teachers have to get through. There's so little time for reading for pleasure. So little time. Um, and I was in one school district where they had eliminated fiction reading. They really basically had to read social wow. studies stuff oh. during to satisfy the literacy side what of a mistake. What, yeah. Exactly. Because if you don't fall in love with it, you're not going to continue to do it after, you know, when you get to high school, you've got a lot of pressures. You've got more homework. You're trying to think about college. Mm -hmm. so you don't have time to read for pleasure. That's why we really focus on those fifth, sixth, and seventh graders. That's when we lose them. There was a statistic mm -hmm. from the NEA that said kids in middle school read at least 10 books a year on average, but that number falls off a cliff once they get to high school. They just don't have time, and the hormones are raging. So you got to mm. hook them young. you mm -hmm. got to get them reading young. Okay, to close here, Kitty, a couple of recommendations that are favorites for the kids in your, in your podcast, and then we will we'll urge people to go on and look at your very long list of uh, kid-approved books. Yeah, okay, definitely. Good. All right. Well, I would suggest um, for younger readers – Peter Brown's book series, The Wild Robot. And it's just so charming. It's about a robot stranded on a desert island with a bunch of wild animals, which sounds goofy. But it is about empathy and teaching and parenting. But it's just, it'll break your heart. It's, but not in a bad way, in a good way. It's a wonderful book. And if you have a shy kid, now I don't get shy kids at all, but there's a wonderful book that really is for them. And it's called Stella Diaz Has Something to Say by Angela Dominguez. And it's, mm. it's for younger readers and it's for that kid you'd like to nudge maybe to, you know, not be quite so shy these days. In the graphic novels, I, I did recommend Jerry Craft's new kid series, and also anything by Raina Telgemeier. She's written, you know, Sisters, Guts, Smile. They're graphic novels, and they're really, really, really fun. And if you like adventure, you can do Kazu Kibuishi's Amulet, which is a thriller for kids. If you love fairy tales, um, you heard about Kelly Barnhill. She also wrote The Girl Who Drank the Moon, a wonderful book about um, a girl who grows up with a witch in a house with a swamp monster and a dragon. Um, and a very <laughs> romantic. not to love. <laughs> I mean, not give me and I'll give you another one that almost sounds like a movie. Um, it's Rooftoppers by Catherine Rundell about an orphan who discovers a secret world on the rooftops of Paris. How's that for romantic? Oh, my gosh. That is great. I read that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really um, good. If kids in summer are missing school, they could think about Because of Mr. Terrapt by Rob Bouye. It's about how one teacher can really make a difference in bringing a, a class together. Um, or Lupe Wong Won't Dance, which is hysterical by Donna Barbie Higuera. I mean, how could I not love a book about a girl determined to be the first female pitcher in the major leagues? But she's having a battle with her school because they're making her take square dancing in PE, which she thinks is unconstitutional. So... We've got books to recommend, um, especially, you know, war has been on everyone's mind. And there are a number of really good and sensitive books about various wars for kids. I don't know how much time I have, Carrie. I'm... Keep going, Kitty. <laughs> okay. Let me talk about these because I think that's an apropos way with what's going on in Ukraine. Even though kids may not be, you know, up front and center watching the evening news, it's certainly floating around and they must have some feelings, some strong feelings about it. And one way to talk about it is to talk about safer wars, wars that happened long before they were born. So if World War II is what you'd like to refer to, Good Night, Mr. Tom by Michelle Magorian is just a classic. And it was so good, it sort of cloned another book with a very similar plot and theme called The War That Saved My Life by Kimberly Brubaker Bradley. 
The Navajo Code Talker, Talkers are um, profiled in Code Talker by Joseph Bruchak. And if the American Revolution you think has been done to death, well, try Chains by Lori Hulse Anderson, which looks at the revolution through the eyes of an African-American young girl. The separation of India and Pakistan is explored in The Night Diary by Vera Hirandanani. And um, a Syrian refugee experience is the story in poetry by Jasmine Warga in Other Words for Home. And one other fat book, which um, for that listener who was looking for an older book for her daughter, The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak is a World mm-hmm. War II tale as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a story about books. And great, um, it, great yeah. book to read together in the family. Yeah. Kitty Feldy is the host and executive producer of Book Club for Kids, a podcast where kids talk about books. Kitty, thanks for all the recommendations and all the ideas, I guess, for getting kids to read. Thank you. Oh, Carrie, my pleasure. And by the way, Carrie, if people want to uh, get more tips, we have a free newsletter and they go out every other week with a reading tip for those readers who haven't discovered they're really readers yet. Kitty Feldy is the host and executive producer of Book Club for Kids, a podcast where kids talk about books. You can sign up for the newsletter by going to bookclubforkids.org. You can also go to our website, nprnews.org, and find a link to the newsletter on my page, along with a complete list of all of the great books Kitty recommended for summer reading. Do some summer reading, curl up with a favorite book, yeah, summer reading. Before long you'll be hooked, lose yourself in a story, words and pictures. Your brain will thank you for such a fun mixture. You can read while munching on popcorn, or hiding out from a sudden summer thunderstorm. Or while chilling on the sand at the beach. Yeah, there's no place where you can't find time to read. So do some summer reading. Curl up with a favorite book, yeah, summer reading. Before long you'll be hooked, lose yourself in a story, words and pictures. Your brain will thank you for such a fun mixture.